There are all kinds of different ways to talk about what we're doing. And there's a, a you know, the approach the Buddha talked, which is to talk about the four foundations of mindfulness and to know the arising of our experiences in these four, in, in our life. And he divided that in, into these four areas. And then because maybe because of gender and the way we are conditioned as women, I see it more as a relationship. And that's what we're cultivated to anyway. Women in this culture are conditioned to hold relationship. To, learn how to stay connected in some ways. And I see our practice as our capacity to build a relationship with our life as it's coming through. And that we know that we don't know what each moment will bring and that the invitation we're given is to build a relationship with it, to connect, to open our hearts to, to become vulnerable to, to know, to companion whatever it is that is arising. If we look at our personal relationships, our love relationships, we know already, just taking something like that, what a huge task that is. Because just look at, I look at the string of my old lovers and that it's testimony, or the, the, uh, my present relationships is testimony, just sort of in a very clear way, the challenge of that, and then just to acknowledge because in that four foundations of mindfulness it isn't really acknowledged in the ways that sometimes uh, resonates with us the challenge of what it is to become intimate with or to relate to or to connect to our life and our experiences. That it is actually the greatest challenge that we are given. And the difference between building a relationship and not, the Buddha says, is the difference between living in suffering and not. But having said that, it's not cut and dried. We know that. Because if it was, we'd all be enlightened already. It's not that easy or even possible sometimes to build a relationship with ourselves and our experiences. And so then we accept that 
particular challenge or that suffering. And we do. We say, I wish I could do this, but I can't right now. The difference is that I'm acknowledging that. And that already is a relationship that's being built. I see increasingly clearly over and over again that when I don't have a relationship to my experience, there is always suffering. Sometimes that's a very heavy word. So maybe we could just say the subtle disconnect or spaciness or just that there isn't an aliveness to how I'm living my life in that moment. For me, because as you know, I've been working with so much physical discomfort and pain, it is so clear when I'm not in an active relationship to my experience. The difference between feeling a victim to it, because that's what happens when I'm not actively relating to it, which is one expression of suffering, or carrying it carrying it, being with it, companioning it, and there not being that sense of being a victim or any suffering. It just is what it is. And there in that relationship is a kind of delight. That's the task that, not the task that we have called ourselves to. Forget even the Buddha saying this is the part. We wouldn't be here unless our own wisdom was calling us to this and saying, this is our task. This is our task to find a way to connect, to know, to companion, to love, to befriend, to see clearly to be present for all these different ways of talking about it. That's our life calling to us. And what's beautiful about a retreat is that we have created a container as safe as it can be given the, the dukkha of, of things. Um, the, the imperfection of things to answer that calling. To say I'm giving these five days for it or three days or two and a half days. And then just to note that all the teachers say there is no more beautiful task we can do than this to answer this calling. That's a very grandiose way of talking about it. Then the technology of it, the technology is calling into being over and over again this quality of knowing. But it isn't an intellectual knowing and that's why um, uh, we include not as something separate from, but include in that knowing friendship or caring. This 
knowing with caring. This knowing with caring. And the Buddha divided our experience up to help us to know with caring these areas of our life. Our body and senses, pleasant, unpleasant and neutral, our feelings and thoughts, and the pattern of the Dharma, expression of Dharma in our lives, or of the expression of wisdom in our lives. And I have found it really helpful to begin with the body as the first place to cultivate this friendly knowing. I read an article which I might read later on today or or maybe um, I'll just quote it now. It was in the Sun magazine. I don't know if you know the Sun magazine. It's a writer's magazine and um, or budding writer's magazine and there was a professor of English who wrote, an African-American man, who wrote about his experiences of racism and and at the end he says, you know what's most heartbreaking for me about racism is that it kills our imagination because we don't have the capacity to imagine ourselves as beautiful. And that white people's imagination of us is distorted because they don't know me, so it's purely their imagination or thoughts of me that are so negative. It is a matter of imagination. And I say this because this task demands from us an imagination that is freed of our negativity, that is freed of those thoughts that say that we can't. So when we take the refuge, we are reclaiming ourselves without that distorted imagination of ourselves, that somehow we can't do this practice. So when we, when we invite this knowing awareness, we invite it in that willingness to imagine we are more than any of our negative conditionings. That becomes the basis of our effort and perseverance and determination, that. And then we bring this capacity that we have to know the experience with friendliness and we will today particularly to the body to hard and soft to warm and cold cold right now to 
tingling or vibration, the sense of liquidity or connection or wetness, just to become very simple, to, to come to the places in the body that are safe for you, where it can be simple to know the experience. And that might be your breath, or it might be sounds, or it could even be taste, that taste if you have a lingering taste from breakfast and just to continue to taste. For those of you who are new to this practice, I want to then be very explicit and say, and different teachers say different things about this, but until the mind is strong in mindfulness, there is no thought or planning worth thinking. There's nothing worth thinking about on this retreat unless you're actually actively contemplating Dharma. There is nothing worth thinking about. So we want to give you 100% permission to drop thinking. Just to drop it. Every time you notice your thinking, dropping it. Unless you can see the thought arise and pass away and stay disengaged from it. If you can do that, no problem. Then you don't need to drop it because you're disengaged from it. But if you can't do that, which often we can't in the middle of a retreat, in this I feel very aligned with the traditionalist Upandita, who says this at the beginning of all his retreats, there's no thought worth thinking on the retreat. And he says that to senior practitioners. I find that enormously helpful. Okay. So, um... And see how it is for you in this moment, in your body. And see how it is in the feet. And if it's possible to Hold a general comprehension or knowing of the body without going into it, but allowing the body to come to you. So it's like waiting and allow that aliveness. And if nothing happens, it doesn't matter. We just know that's where it is. And in this kind of open receptivity, see what the feet are communicating to you. If it's hard to discern, you can imagine where your feet are 
and then let that image go to where your feet are and see if that helps access the place where you feel the pressure of the feet resting against the ground. bringing that willingness to connect or relate to or know how it is with the feet, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, if it's possible to ignore that right now and open to the sensation, hard or soft, tingling, warm or cold. Notice the ankles. Maybe there's some sensation in the midpoint between the two bones. Some warmth. Then allowing awareness to move up the legs. It might be you can feel the touch of cloth against the skin. Or some inner warmth or tingling. And acknowledging the knees, that stretching or sharpness. And the thighs. Can you feel the inside of the thighs and how the cloth might be a little tighter there? Or perhaps where the thighs end and the pelvis begins, that crease. Then notice the buttocks, hardness, vibration, pressure. And how it is in the lower back. Mm. 
Allow your awareness to move up the back. Perhaps feeling the touch of cloth against the skin. And the warmth there from that touch. Can you feel that where the cloth touches the skin there's some more warmth? Coming to the shoulders and acknowledging the shoulders. It's often a place of hardness. Allow the hardness, don't try and change it. Just an expression of nature, hard soft. See if you can feel the armpits, kind of the opposite, so soft, that skin there. And the warmth of skin against skin. Maybe you can feel a little bit there, hair follicles. Is it in the upper arms? Continuing down into the hands. how it is in the fingers. just for a moment exploring the palm of the hand. And then coming up 
to the abdominal region. The warmth that surrounds the organs in that cavity. Acknowledging the weight of the breath. the ribcage and how the skin is stretched around it. And how the ribcage is moved and expanded by the air. And then as the air is released, how it releases as well. Acknowledging the neck and the throat inside. The warmth of the throat and wetness. how it comes to the mouth, also warm and wet. opening to the whole of the head. The lips. The forehead. How the hair is communicating itself or lack of it to you. Notice then also how the nostrils flare just a little bit as the air is pulled into the body. And how sensitive the skin inside the nostrils is. How I can actually tell <coughs> when the air is coming in and then leaving. Mm. 
see if just for a minute you can stay in the nostril region and sense that touch of air. Or it might be you can feel it right at the tip of the nose. And the skin just underneath the nostrils. It might be that the movement of the breath is more discernible in the ribs or in the abdominal area, that rising and falling. Wherever you feel the breath most clearly, allow your attention and listening to stay there. See if this attention can discern the very beginning of the breath and how it ends as the in-breath, the beginning of the out-breath and how it ends. Staying aligned with the movement of the breath.
focusing over and over again on what the experience is of the in and out breath. 